0: Mm. Amen. Thank you, Pedro and team. You can grab a seat. He is alive. Yes. Amen. Hey, my name is John Chasteen. I serve as one of the pastors here at Redemption Hill Church. And uh, before we, we jump into this, this sermon series on the toolbox, uh, tools for followers of Jesus, I want to lead us in just a time of pastoral prayer um, and particularly related to Around two items today. As as many of you know, um, yesterday um, was Juneteenth. You may have seen this past Tuesday, the Senate passed a bill that would make Juneteenth um, a federal holiday. This holiday commemorates the end of slavery in the U.S. And and the reason for June the the 19th, um, Confederate soldiers surrendered in April of 1865, but word didn't reach uh, the last enslaved black people until June the 19th when Union soldiers brought the news to Galveston, Texas. That was also about two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. And so I, wanted to, I want us to lead in a prayer of remembrance, commemoration, and celebration. As we think about remembrance, like this should break us and humble us. The sin of racism in our country. And it's now an annual reminder of the incredible suffering by numerous people. At the same time, as we think about commemoration and celebration, it's a reminder of of a massive step forward in the cause of racial justice, but it's one step with many more steps still to come. And so the road towards racial justice is still a long road. And so we, we should pause to consider, God, how would, what would you have of me as we continue to move and fight to see justice reign in our country? So I want to lead us in a prayer for that. And then also today is Father's Day. There is no minimizing the impact of a father's life, not just his words, but his life. As I reflect today on the investment of my father, in many ways I am who I am because of his love, his compassion, his raising, his teaching me the gospel, the good news and what it means to follow Jesus. And so we wanna give thanks and celebrate that. But I also recognize today is a day of brokenness for many people. For instance, my brother-in-law who tragically lost his 16-year-old nephew, his, his 16-year-old son, my nephew. Today is a day of brokenness. He's probably weeping as a reminder of the loss that he has experienced. I mean, if you go, know, know my family. I, we've adopted two girls from China. We wonder, I wonder, like I, we, we've never met their biological father. And so like, what is the brokenness? And even the questions that my girls wrestle with maybe even sitting here today maybe some of you you desire to be a father you desire to be married one day maybe you you've tried to have children and just there have been brokenness and there have been challenges so it's a day to celebrate but it's a day for all of us to run to Jesus whether it's a day of celebration whether it's a day of a reminder of brokenness Jesus wants us to run to him And so I want to lead us in a prayer as we reflect on these today. Father, God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have given us new mercies today. Not general mercies, but very specific and tangible mercies that we each individually need today from you. God, we thank you for that. You, God, are a God of mercy you are compassionate. God, as we think of Juneteenth, God, God, I pray just afresh today. God, would you give us eyes to see, to own the racism that still exists in many ways in our country? God, we celebrate this monumental day of, 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 of where slavery has. Ended in our nation, and yet we're reminded of the the brokenness of the suffering. God, would you humble us today? Would you continue to break us? Would you soften our hearts? God, would you help us to to see outside of our perspective, our lens, to love every people, tribe, nation? God, this is in your creation, your people you sent your son to die for and to redeem and yet God as we pray God we ask God that there's much left to be done God this long road of, of racial justice is, is still before us and God we ask God and I pray for a church God show us as a church show us as individuals God strengthen us help us to labor until to shine the light of the gospel and the sin of racism God continue to to work in us your kingdom and your will. Gotta think of fathers today. I think of my father. Gotta thank you for him in my life. And yet, at the same time, I, there's brokenness in my life as I, as I look at my girls, as I look at my brother in law. And, and so, God, I, I just pray today, God, that we would run to Jesus. God, for for where we see examples of fathers to be celebrated, God, we would celebrate, we would affirm, we would rejoice, we would give thanks. And yet when we see errors of brokenness, God, we would turn and run to you as a good father. You are a good father. Your will is good. It is perfect. And that we would see and embrace you as that today. God, we need you. I need you. So, God, we ask as as we turn to your word today, God, that you would be good to us. You by your spirit would work in and, and through us. And God, we do pray your kingdom, your will be done in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, as Tanner mentioned last week, many of you know we've been preaching through the gospel of Mark. And we hit pause right when we came to chapter 9 for three weeks for this series called Toolbox, Tools for Following Jesus. And, And last week, Tanner reminded us that as followers of Jesus, we live in the multiplication middle. Yeah, you're hearing that word. You're getting familiar with it. What does that mean? It's flowing out of that Mark 3 where Jesus said that my disciples are to be with me and they are to be sent out. So to live in the multiplication middle means that Jesus is multiplying himself in me and I'm in the middle and as he multiplies himself in me, that gets multiplied into other people's lives. And so I'm to actively live where I'm continually receiving. I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's changing me and as he's changing me, I'm saying, God, how do you wanna use me in the life of other people? And so one of the ways that we multiply ourselves Is through telling others about Jesus. So last week, Tanner gave us, I think, uh, three tools for talking Jesus. The first one was your multiply card. Hey, I got my toolbox right here. It doesn't look like a toolbox, but I'm pulling my toolbox out right here. Here we go. Um, Your multiply card. And Tanner challenged us, if we can't talk to Jesus about the people in our life, we're probably not going to talk to them about him in our life. And so just a, a challenge to who, who is in your life that you can be praying about that God may lead you to share Jesus with. The other one was just a three circles live conversation guide where we looked at God's brokenness, sorry, God's design, sin leads to brokenness and then the gospel, how we can repent and believe and then recover and pursue God's design and that being a conversation tool to enter into telling Jesus with others. But the third tool, was a 15-second testimony. Who went and crafted their 15-second testimony this week? Anybody anybody work on that? Hey, I've got mine for you. I see some hands there. Here's my 15-second testimony. There was a time in my life when I was completely unsatisfied and unfulfilled by the pleasures in this world. Then I met Jesus. He showed me the path to pleasures and everlasting joy. Now I experience satisfaction and fulfillment through following him. Do you have a story similar to that? That's it. As simple as that. There was a time blank and blank. Then I met Jesus. He blank and blank. And now I blank and blank. 15 second testimony. Well, here's, Here's what I wanna add to our toolbox today. Today, we're gonna look at tools for Bible reading. And you may ask, how does this relate to actively living in the multiplication middle? I believe it it relates in two very specific ways and on both fronts. On the one hand, one of the primary ways that Jesus multiplies himself in me is through the word. And then it's that very same word that we use to multiply ourselves into others. He tells the disciples, go make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So it's the commands of Jesus that I learned to follow him, and it's those very same commands I go and teach others. Or it's Paul in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, where he says, and the things you've heard from me entrust to faithful men who'll be able to teach others also. And so that's what we're going to look at today, tools for reading the Bible and how that helps us actively live in the multiplication middle. But I want to be up front. This sermon today is going to be a little different than what you're typically used to at Redemption Hill. We typically preach through books of the Bible and go verse by verse. That's the main diet we hope that, that you get and that we feel like is most helpful. But today, I'm going to take a more topical approach. And so while we don't think this should be the main diet, we do think at times that it can be very helpful. So I'm just setting the stage for you. Today is going to be a little more topical, but but you'll see where I'm going. I believe it'll be helpful for us as we do this. And so before I give you the tools, here's what I want to do. I want to give you 13 reasons why you should prioritize daily Bible reading as a foundational habit in your life. Why am I doing this? Because it's gonna be the why that's gonna fuel the what. And I think most times our struggle is not with the what, it's with motivation and the why. And so my prayer today, and hear me clearly, my goal of this sermon is not to induce guilt or shame. My goal is that God would stir some white hot affections in your heart for him. And that it's flowing from a desire to seek God and to know God. And so these are gonna be fast, but I wanna jump in here and we're gonna walk through these. So 13 reasons for prioritizing daily Bible reading. Reason number one, to know and love Jesus more. And with all these, I'm gonna give you some scriptures that complement, like why I'm giving you this reason. Look at John 5.39. You search the scriptures because you think that it is in them you have eternal life. And it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. Hey, if you're new to Christianity, this Bible is not primarily about a book of rules, it is a story about Jesus. It is God's plan from the beginning to the end of Jesus and how he is the solution to the brokenness we face in life. So ultimately we read the Bible to know and love Jesus at the end of the gospels in Luke 24. Jesus is, after his resurrection. He gathers his disciples together and he says this. He said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I'm still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You guys see this, Jesus, the Bible that he had there, he did not have the new Testament. It was being formed. The Bible that Jesus had was the old Testament. And so he goes through the three structures of the old Testament, the law, the prophets, and then the Psalms. It was the beginning part of that writing section. And he says, he's going through and he's like, this is about me. We read to know and love Jesus. Jesus is ultimate, not the Bible. Jesus is ultimate, not the Bible, but it is through the Bible where we daily see and savor Jesus Christ. Loving Jesus is ultimate, the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there's nowhere that you're more likely to encounter Jesus than in the word. So we do it to know and love Jesus more. Second, we do it to hear from the creator of the universe. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is breathed out by God. God, the creator of the universe, speaks to us directly through his word. Like, we should tremble at that. The very creator, you can hear from him. You can know him. It's right here. Think about this. I was reading this past weekend and and I came across a a story that that one guy was sharing with me and he said this, uh, one author, he was describing how his wife was deployed to be in the military for months. And this was pre-internet stage and probably pre-iPhone stage. And so probably no FaceTime, right? And the only method of communication is that she would randomly write And send him a note. So imagine going to the mailbox. And you've got a note from your wife. And you read it. And then what do you do? You read it again. He says, and I read it again. And again. And again. And then I would go back and I'd read it again. I would ask some questions. Like, why did she write so neatly here? But hurriedly here. Or I mean, what's going on in this structure in this sentence here? Or why are there hearts on these exclamation points, but not on these? And he would read it slowly and then he'd walk around and he would think about this letter that he had received from the love of his life. Why did he do this? It's because he loved her and he wanted to know her. And this was his only communication from her. God speaks to us through his word. In a similar way, read it over and over. God, why did you structure it this way? Why this way? Why, why this word? And we wanna know him. We wanna love him. Third, to experience life. Matthew 4, for Jesus answered the temptations of Satan and he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God gives and sustains life through his word. Daily Bible reading is our way of saying, I can't live on physical bread alone. I can't do it. I can't survive. I need you to strengthen and sustain me. Do you realize this? That regular Bible reading has the power to reshape, renew, and reorder your disordered life. 4th why wanna read the word, to experience joy and happiness and satisfaction. Pastor Reddy's already read it. This Psalm 1, 1 and 2, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. What about this Psalm 19:8? the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You want joy. You want this blessed life. The promises of the Bible said, go, it's, it's meditating and reading and devouring God's word. God grants us ultimate joy and happiness and satisfaction through his word. Five, to see God's purpose is done. Isaiah fifty-five eleven, So shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. If you wanna pray, God, your kingdom and your will be done, go get in his word and pray, God, you do it. You do it in my life. Six, to be holy. John 17, seven. Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This word sanctify means to make holy. Make them holy in the truth. Your word is truth. He sanctifies us. He makes us holy as we give, get in his word. Seven, to receive faith. Romans ten seventeen. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. God grants us faith. It's, it's, it's the powerful thing of the word of God. Like at times we talk about, man, I, I just am struggling to believe it. And so people don't read it because they're lacking faith. And when God's saying, you lack faith, go get in the word. And, and he is gonna ignite faith as you read it. I don't know how many times that, Hey, and, and I'm a normal, like I know I'm preaching to you today, but I'm just a normal follower of Jesus. Like I struggle at times of going to the word and not feeling like I don't feel that or like, man, but I don't know how many times I've, I've not felt like reading and I've come to the word and you know what? I walk away full of joy, faith, energy, strength is because that's what God does in his word. And so you may be here today, like, that's the last thing I want to go do. I don't want to go spend time with God. But God is saying, for His work and will to be done in your life, just believe this one promise that you go to it and it is going to ignite faith in your life. Eight, to receive direction and guidance. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see this? Like, how many of you today need guidance? How many are facing a decision right now? You're like, I need wisdom. I need God to show me. He's saying, your word, it's a lamp. It's guiding me. It's showing me. Number nine, to be revived and receive wisdom. Psalm 19:7. the law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. He revives me and he grants me wisdom through his word. Number 10, to be warned and rewarded. Psalm 19, nine through 11. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them as your servant warned in keeping them. There is great reward. The promise here, there is great reward. So it, it, it warns us. And it rewards us, number 11, to be strengthened. Psalm 119, 28, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word, the psalmist prays. Strengthen me according to your word. Number 12, to kill sin. Psalm 119, nine through 11, how can a young man keep his way pure? by guarding it according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. You see the connection here. Like there's a very clear distinction between meditating and and here's the key here. Look, the Pharisees knew God's word. And yet he was the people that said your heart's, are far from me. What we're after here is not a, a mind that can quote the key references and key verses of the Bible. It is a mind that knows it and yet it's fighting for a heart to believe it. When it says here, I've hidden your word in my heart, it's like I know it and I'm fighting to believe it, that it's true. You go to Romans eight thirteen. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. How do you do that? How do you, by the spirit, kill sin? Well, Ephesians six seventeen: the sword of the spirit is the word of God. We take up the sword and we go and we fight the fight of the faith in killing sin. Guys, life is war. The world and the devil are eagerly looking to deceive you, to lure you and to destroy you. They want to ruin your life in eternity. In addition, your heart is deceitful and sinful. And I, like, even as a redeemed follower of Jesus, like we're still battling sin in our hearts that can deceive us. So I love what Stephen Altrog says. He says, the Bible shines a light into the dark corners so I can see that sin, which looks so attractive, is actually an animated corpse. Did you get that? The Bible shines the light, so what it once lured me to go and take the bait, says, no, don't take the bait. It's a dead corpse. And then finally, 13, to be equipped for good works. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God equips us for good works through his word. Man, I'm sweating, guys. Hey, Rachel, would you grab me a bottle of water? Could you get that? Thank you. Look back over these 13 reasons. I don't know, you may not be able to see them all up here. Maybe they can flip back and forth. Which one most resonates with you today? They're all good. But you, you know where you are right now in your pursuit of God. Which one of these, if you were to just cling on to and med- meditate on, it would radically shape let's say the next 21 days of your life, thank you. Which one, if you just, man, I'm gonna believe it, this is what I need, and it would just propel you to establishing, write it down, just just write that one down, or circle and say, this is what I need to fight this week to believe that's hindering me from seeking God's faith, God's face. So what's holding you back? Just, like, just just think out loud with me for a second. Like, what are the barriers that may be holding you back from a more consistent time or greater delight in God through his word? If you're here today and it's like, man, John, reading the Bible's hard. That's okay. Just tell, like, ask for help. You may be brand new. You're like, man, I don't know much here. Just come to me today and say, hey, John, it has been really hard. I need some help. And we'll find you some help. But, but my greater concern is the busyness of life. You remember us preaching through the gospel of Mark and we went to chapter four in the parable of the sower, right? What are the four hearts? Anybody remember them? You got the hardened heart. You've got the shallow heart, you've got the distracted heart, and then you've got the fruitful heart. And as I shared in that sermon that I preached, the heart that most concerns me for the American church is the distracted heart. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word. I don't think most of you wake up saying, man, I'm not gonna delight in God today through his word. I don't think most of us are like explicitly, intentionally rejecting God. But for those of us that struggle with a consistent rhythm of seeking God through his word, I think it's because most of us is like, it just gets crowded out by other things that seem more important. It's the distractions of this world Another concern that I would have would be apathy. It would be, man, I've been a Christian for many years. I I basically know what's in the Bible. To which I would say, man, I've been there, I'm now 40, and yet I need to be reminded often because I forget. Go read the history of Israel. What was their problem? Did you not remember, like over and over, go meditate on the law, and it's like the author's going back, did like, do you not remember, did you, like, for, did you forget? Like what God has done, who he has done. I need to be reminded as a pastor, with an MDiv and a PhD, I need to be reminded because I so often forget. Maybe some of us don't read because it makes us uncomfortable. Because what does God's word do? What's it do? It teaches us truth. It reproves us. It corrects us. It trains us. Like a prideful, like, man, I've got it together is not going to come and read God's word. Because it's going to reveal the mess in our life. And so this whole series, we hit pause at Mark 8. And that's what launched us into this. I want to go back there real quick. Mark 8, 34 and 36. I've got on the screen here this is what it says. Give me a second. We stopped with this. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? when we're talking about here, what may be the barriers hindering us, it's this invitation from Jesus to deny ourselves, take up our cross and come follow him. I think for the most part, it's not intellectual reasons that are hindering us from reading the Bible, it's spiritual. And so I just wanna call you to, I don't know where you're at but that there would just be a fresh repentance, denying and running after Jesus and saying, God, Jesus, I wanna know you and I wanna know you through your word. And that's the point today, to prioritize Bible reading to see and savor Jesus. Now I wanna share some tools. I'm soaking wet up here. Sorry, guys, it's a, and I need some help for these tools. So I got some helpers. Hey, you guys come on out here. Man, on Father's Day, I can show off like, um, man, three of my awesome kiddos. Thank you, Ava. Ava, come here. I love you. Mm, You are awesome. So I got my stool here. Oh, coffee. We definitely need coffee if we're going to read the Word. And I need my journal. Thank you. Hey, you guys are awesome. Thank you for serving me. Hey, let me just, hey, this is Zoe. And we got Ava. And we got Callie. Can you tell hey to everybody? Online. They're online. They can wave everybody online. All right, you guys head on back there. All right, let me get my tools set up here. All right, a few introductory notes. And here's what I'm trying to do. I'm not just gonna give you tools, we're gonna walk through them here. So I, I've gotta get all my tools here for us so we can walk through these. Notice the intention in my language. These are tools for Bible reading, not Bible study. There's a place for Bible study. But what I'm aiming after here is this regular, what, what most of us are just like regular Bible reading and cultivating that rhythm. I also hope is that this is really practical. Some of you are gonna be like, John, this is way too practical. I'm okay if you think that. Um, because I, don't, I wanna assume that my kids up here watching can think about how do they shape their daily Bible reading and knowing God. So for for Zoe walking up there and taking her notes, she's gonna capture some notes here. Maybe you've been reading the Bible for 40 plus years. Hopefully there's a nugget that you can take away here that's gonna help you increase just your desire and delight in God through his word. So hey, you're convinced, man, we just looked at the 13 reasons and you're like, I'm on it. I, I want to increase or continue my rhythms of knowing God through his word. So I mean, where do I start? So I want to think through some foundational questions. The first one is this. All right, what should I read? All right, where do I start? Like you could just start randomly picking it up here. Don't do that. Look, all of this is God's word, but some portions are more difficult to understand than others. On the other hand, Some portions are much easier to understand. So if you are new in the faith, or if you're intimidated like of like where to start in the Bible, I would encourage you to start with the more simpler, easier portions. And so what would those be? First, I would encourage you to start with the gospels. So, and don't ever be ashamed to go to your table of contents and you'll see when you go there, you've got Old Testament and New Testament. For the most part, the New Testament is gonna be some of the easier portions for you to read. I would encourage you to start there. When you look at the New Testament, the first four books are gonna be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I would encourage you to start there. Then what you'll see is a history book. Acts is a history book of the early church. You can read that. And then much of the rest of the New Testament, they're letters by Paul to individual churches. You could read those letters by Paul. Philippians is a good letter To start with. So in the New Testament, I'd encourage you to start there. In the Old Testament, you could go to Genesis because it starts in the beginning and it provides some very foundational history to understanding the Bible. Another place you could go is the Psalms. The Psalms. The psalmists are writing out in a lot of ways we can relate to them because of the experience. They're 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 singing songs, they're writing hymns in light of who God is. And so that's where I would encourage you to think about starting. If you're starting out brand new, then you're like, okay, all right, I've got, I've got a plan. Like, how much should I read? Like, how much should I read? Like, was what, what, what do you think, Pastor John? Like, what should I be reading today? There's no right or wrong answer here. But I will say this. The more you read, the more you'll know and experience God. So I, I like to think about it this way. Think about your regular meal plan. Like most of the meals you eat, you probably have like, you know, a consistent rhythm. I I don't know how long your meals are. Some eat shorter than longer, you know, but at times like you're grabbing some quick meals, but if you eat fast food and really quick, that's not going to be healthy for you. Right. At the same time, we probably all don't have margin to just linger over every single meal. Right. For like an, like sometimes you just linger over a meal with friends. You can't do that in every single meal, but I'll say, if you never do that with God, that, that's an issue, right? So um, you've got to figure out like, what is your margin? What is your time? The, but there ought to be times where you just build in, where you can linger, where you don't set the stopwatch, where you're not running off to work, where you can spend time with God. But for the most part, it's probably gonna be like our regular meals and rhythm with our life. So my, my encouragement would be this. I would encourage you to read a small amount on a regular basis versus big chunks just every once in a while. Small chunks consistently over time, I believe will be very much more foundational and informative to you than just reading large chunks infrequently. So our current at Redemption Hill, you are handed some tools as you walked in today. Um, currently, you are handed a RHC Bible reading plan. Here's what we're doing as a church right now. We are reading through the New Testament, one chapter a day, five days a week. Saturday and Sunday are catch up days. We really are like trying to make it as easy as possible for everybody to enter into. I also believe like a chapter a day is enough to really get your mind thinking about it. And then like what we're going to start applying some of these tools right here. Um, If you go much more than that, you may not have time to really think and meditate on it, depending on the time that you have during the day. So currently, if you flip over, we are on week 25 starting tomorrow. And so we'll be starting with Romans 14. So you could jump in tomorrow right here with us in Romans 14 and continue to pick up. If like, I wouldn't worry about like trying to catch up. You can start like week one now if you wanted to, I'd encourage you to jump right in here with us. Um, How long would it take you to read a chapter a day? Three to five minutes. You should pause and think about that. It would take you three to five minutes to read a chapter a day. If you wanted to read through the whole Bible in a year, it would take roughly 12 minutes a day. Of, of reading time. I'm not talking about like, that's just like what it takes to read the Bible. Now, here's what you're gonna see later on today. You're gonna get an email from me because one of the things that we've done this year is trying to increase our rhythms in word and prayer. We did a, a survey back in December. We're doing a follow-up survey today in this email you're gonna get. And it's really just reflecting on, man, what are the, how, how the past uh, six months Uh, five months been in your pursuit of God. And we're just learning how are these tools helping you, how we can continue to come alongside of you and help you in those tools. Also, for those of you watching online, all of these tools you can find on our app. If you go to the RHC app, at the very bottom left on the homepage, there's a 2021 Bible reading plan and all these tools are here. Or you go to our website, rhc.church.org slash Bible reading. And you can download all of these tools right there on our website. So, all right. All right. I know what I should read. I, I got an idea of like how, how much I should read now. Like how should I read now? Here's what I would encourage you to think about. Like when you sit down to read, I would encourage you to have a hard copy Bible and a digital Bible. Now, I know some of you are gonna think, man, John is like in the old age here. Like you actually, like this is actually a physical copy of a Bible. Some of you guys maybe have never seen one of these, Um, but they exist. And here's why I would encourage you to get a hard copy of the Bible. Because at times, this can distract us. There's all kinds of notifications here. Some of you, the temptation, even if you don't have a notification, to go check something else. So like at times you need to put that away But also this helps me, because it reminds me wherever I'm reading the Bible, it's a part of a story. When I'm reading a Bible on an app, it's like I'm just putting a button and it's hard to know, like, where does it fit in the story? But here I can see physically, okay, New Testament, Old Testament, where it fits in here. So I would encourage you, grab a hard copy, but also have a digital copy. You can access the Bible through our RHC app in the very middle at the bottom there. There's the Bible and our Bible reading plan there. Um, I also love the ESV app. I'll tell you more in a later on why that is, but uh, you know, having the Bible on your phone means you have it anywhere you go. You can be laying in bed and have no light available and you can read your Bible. You can be writing, driving in your car and listening to your Bible, not, not reading it unless you're not driving, but listening to your Bible. Um, and you have access to all kinds of other resources that I'm gonna mention here in a little bit. But what I would encourage you to do is if you use um, a device like this to put do not disturb. I've set my phone up so that it's on do not disturb mode until at least eight o'clock every day, which means that nothing is gonna ping me. I'm gonna get no notification until after eight o'clock, which is usually when I start my work day. So I'm trying to minimize distractions so I can spend time with God. So hard copy, I've got my book here. Let's see, what else would I encourage you? I would encourage you to grab a journal. I love these moleskin cashier journals. I use the rule. It lays flat. It's very thin. Like I can take it and put it right here. Like you don't even see it hardly. It also in the back here, it has a little pocket that I can, um, I can take my multiply card and I slide it in. I've actually also cut my devotional guide and I can slide it right in here. And so I've got it all right there. It's in my devotional guide, um, in my little journal. So I've got that. Then I've got my REC pen, which I stole from church the previous Sunday before. And, um, you know, that's you're set. And then I've got, I've got my coffee. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm waking up in the morning, it's Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and a little bit of coffee here that gets me up. Maybe it's tea for you, some juice. Maybe it's, it's some water. Hmm. Amen. So I've got my tools. Um, What do I do now here? Okay, um, here's what I'm gonna do now. You guys received a devotional guide when you walked in here. I want you to pull that out. I'm gonna skip the beginning part, which kind of talks about when you spend time with God. What I wanna do now is just briefly walk through this. Um, And here's here's basically how you spend time with God. P-L-T. Say that with me. P-L-T. Say it again. P-L-T. One more time. If you can remember three letters, you can remember how to structure your time with God. P stands for prepare. L stands for listen. And T stands for talk. So I prepare my heart. You can see that there. And I I can't spend a ton of time here. And, um, but I, I, I was planning on walking through some verses here. I'll just say this when you come to read God's word, do you know what Satan wants? He wants to blind you and he wants these words to remain dull and just words on a page. But when you start reading the Bible with a hunger to know, to delight, to know Jesus, to love Jesus with all of your heart, Satan's gonna take notice. So, like, when we come, the reason I say prepare your heart is because we need the Holy Spirit of God to open our minds and our eyes to see. Go read the psalmist. He's praying, God, open my eyes, incline my heart, Um, help me to see, to treasure, to delight in your word. And so, man, just do this. Before you jump into reading, just pause. God, I need your help. I need you to open my eyes and my mind and help me to see, receive, and respond to your word. It doesn't have to be long, but it's preparing your heart to receive. You want your heart to be the soft, fruitful heart, that soil that's receptive to the word of God. So we prepare our hearts. Second, we listen to God. When we listen to God here, let me just give you a few nuggets here. When you're reading, you're not after your meaning. Listen to me. You're after the intended author's meeting. It's not, I'm reading this and I can convey any meaning that I want it to say. Every passage, every author that wrote, wrote with an intended meaning in mind. That will never change. So so we're reading not for just some subjective experience. I'm reading to discover more about objective reality to know who God is and what he wants in my life. So as I'm reading, I'm focusing on the words that are actually in the text. I wanna strive to learn the meaning of these words and phrases and clauses. And key here is context. That's why I would encourage you, read Not just randomly parts of the Bible, but read consistently through the Bible so that you're reading a verse within the paragraph or within the chapter or within the book or within the larger story at hand. Now, let me just pause here. At times you're reading and there's some difficult words or difficult verses to understand. And so if you were to ask me what other additional tool would I recommend in addition to what I've got right here, it would be this. You need a good study Bible. A good study Bible is gonna have an introductory material in front of every book. Then it's gonna have study notes, usually on most verses, so that if you come across a verse that you're struggling with, that you can get some quick help. And then it also has maps to help you understand like where and what you're talking about. I personally would recommend and love the ESV study Bible. And this is why I use the ESV app. Because when I pull up the ESV app, if you actually purchase the study Bible, you can go in here and anywhere I'm reading, I've got my phone, I can pull up and I'm say, okay, I'm on Romans 12 here and I can see this, the study notes right here. It's right here on my phone. I don't have to go find some big book that I've purchased. Like it is there anywhere that I go. And so then as we read, we ask questions of the text. Here's one of the things that you've got to guard against, reading passively. We're not just reading to say, I checked the box. The word's tr- translated in my mind today. You want to read to meditate, to know who God is and what's he want in your life. And so the way you read actively is by asking Questions questions create problems or mysteries to be solved that causes us to read more actively. So here's what I I wanna introduce you to, the sword method. You can see it listed here right on your devotional guide. The sword method is simply this. You think of a sword, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Who holds the sword? People do. So when I think of the handle, the handle reminds me, what does this passage teach me about people? The sword is going straight up. The tip of it points up to God. I ask, what does this passage teach me about God? And then it's got two blades. And we're gonna use the word SPEC as an acronym to ask the two questions on each side of the blade. On one side of the blade, S and P, is there a sin to avoid? Or P, is there a promise to claim? And then on the other side, E, is there an example to follow or not follow? And then C, is there a, um, a command to obey? We take the sword, we apply it to the scripture. And then this is why we've got our journal here. I would encourage you to write something down. Writing something down forces you to slow down and to ask questions. And so write it out. Look, you can write it in your journal here. You can take notes in your Bible. Hey, get this. The Bible is sacred. The paper that is printed on is not. So like I mark up my Bible. If you were to come look at my Bible, I underline, I take notes in the side. I circle verses that are cross references. So writing helps me to learn maybe it's writing a verse down that stood out to you maybe it's writing down one of those questions that you you asked and that, that you're learning about who God is and then you're thinking hey what can I as i as i wrap up today what can I go share with somebody so you prepare you listen and then you talk to God i'm going to fly by here but this is where we respond man i've read about God in his word and so we respond in prayer i've given you the acts acronym there for prayer And so you may say, A, adoration. Lord, I praise you for something you just read. Maybe C, your confession. Lord, I confess. Or Lord, forgive me. T is thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you for. And then S is supplication. Lord, I ask you for. All right, here's what I want to do now. Turn with me to Romans 12. Romans 12, verses one and two. I wanna take what I just talked to you and we're just gonna briefly walk through it and then we're gonna wrap up. So let's prepare. Let's close our eyes and pray. Father, God, as we look at Romans 12, God, as I come to read your word today, God, I need you to open my eyes, my mind, and climb my heart and stir my affections. God, would I pray that these words would be life-giving to me God, would you increase hunger for you and help me to follow you as I read about you today. I pray that in Christ's name, amen. P, prepare, L, listen, we listen to God. Let's read God's word, Romans 12, verses one and two. The word of God says this, I appeal to you, therefore brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Then since I'm only doing two verses here, I'm making sure, you know what? I wanna read this in another translation. And so I was gonna do two translations today. I'm just gonna do one for sake of time. So I'm pulling up the RHC app. And on the RHC app, I'm gonna. Sw- I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna do the NLT version, which says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. All right, let's sword this. Sword Bible method. My first question, the sword's going up. So I think, hey, what does this passage teach me about God. Just look at your text there. What do we learn about God? I appeal, and I'm just thinking out loud here with you guys, you're getting my inner process here. I appeal to you therefore, brothers by the mercies of God. I see this off the bat here. God is a God of mercy. I mean, what does Paul mean when he's talking about mercy here? What I would have known if I'm reading through Romans, that when we would have got here, that Romans one through 11, Paul just unpacked the, the gospel of God he would have said that we were destined for wrath. We were storing up wrath for the day of wrath. But God, while we were still sinners, he demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God has been merciful with me. He sent Jesus all of that Romans 11. Now I'm coming to Romans 12. And he's like, Paul's saying, I appeal to you in light of all God has done for you, in light of what he's done for you in Jesus. This is how great our God is. God's, the, this me living a new life is motivated by the mercy of God. I also, my mind goes off here. This word, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters. Why does he use brothers here? What is this about here? It reminds me that Paul is writing to brothers and sisters in Christ, but God is the father. And, and now as a follower of Christ, I'm a part of a family. God is my God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living Sacrifice wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That word worship here, it triggers me. I'm reminded God made me, God made me for worship. Romans one, Paul says they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creation rather than the creator. Now I'm, I'm reminded here, God made me to worship him and I can worship him acceptably as I offer my body as a living sacrifice. All right, I'm gonna fly forward here. So. I mean, there's more here that we could keep going, but what does this teach me about people? First, in Christ, I've got brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm a part of a new family. Second, I am a recipient of God's mercy. I've peeled of you in light of God's mercy. I've received God's mercy. God, thank you for that mercy that I've received. I'm also reminded here that I have a responsibility. I'm being called here to, to offer my body as a living sacrifice. God wants me, I, what I can do is give God my life and worship him. I also see in verse two, this call to not be conformed to this world. And I'm reminded oftentimes I'm conformed to the world. I'm deceived, I'm lured, but God wants me to follow him. And then I go to spec. Let me ask you this. Is there a sin to, is there a sin to, um, to flee. Is there a sin to avoid here? What do you see? Maybe it's not explicitly stated, but I'm not to be conformed to the world. So I'm I'm to follow God. I'm to worship him with my life. What about this? Is um, Is there a promise to claim? I believe there is. At the very end here, he says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. It is to trust and believe. God's promise is good. It's perfect. It's acceptable. Is there an example to follow? Maybe it's this example of these sacrifices in the Old Testament. Like he says... That you're to be a living sacrifice. When I hear that word sacrifice, my mind goes to the Old Testament. And I'm reminded all the sacrifices that they made. Now that they were pure, they were holy. It was to be a a perfect lamb without blemish. And now through the gospel in Christ, I'm to offer my body as as that kind of worship, as that kind of sacrifice. See, is there a command to obey? There are a couple of commands. One, you've got this command, present my body. Second, do not be conformed. And then this call to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I know I just flew by that. But you guys see, like, that, that, I want you to see, like, how my mind is working. as we're. I'm not just reading this. I'm wanting to think. I'm wanting to meditate. And so now I come away with this, prepare, listen, and we're gonna wrap up and we're gonna talk to God. And so we say, God, you have been incredibly merciful with us in Christ. God, I'm reminded that I don't deserve this mercy, that I was still a sinner, I was weak, I was ungodly, and at the right time, you sent forth your son to die for me. God, thank you for being merciful. God, thank you for the wrath that you have withheld from me and that you've poured out on your son, Jesus, so that I could be declared righteous, that I could be a recipient of your love, that I could say that neither death nor life nor anything can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. God, thank you. God, I need your help. God, my mind, my body, I'm often tempted by the ways of the world. But God, I need your grace, God, that, that I wouldn't be conformed to the world, but that I would be transformed. God, I need your word to renew my mind. God, I'm being thrown darts. I'm being thrown errors. I'm being thrown lies every day, everywhere I look that's trying to get me to run after the world. But God, I need your truth. God, would you renew my mind? Would you help me to trust and believe these promises in the word? And God, would you help me? God, I, I still want to hold to my life. But you're you're calling me to be a living sacrifice. Which means I've daily gotta hold my life open-handed. I've got to daily deny myself, take up my cross and follow you. Gotta, that is not easy. I need your help in that. So, God, I thank you for being merciful. Gotta confess you, I've often run after the world and haven't lived pleasing to you. Gotta to need the to work of your spirit in me. God, to thank you for being patient with me. And God, I just ask your kingdom, your will be done. God, I want to know your will. Your good, your perfect, your pleasing will. God, would that be done in my life? And God, as we wrap up today, God, our desire for our people to know and love you through the word, God, help us. God, help us with the spiritual barriers that are hindering us from greater intimacy with you. God, that we would prepare our hearts. We would listen to you regularly. And God, that we would respond and talk to you. And God, you would sanctify us and make us into the people you want us to be. God, we need your grace. We need your help. We pray and ask that in Christ's name.